Good morning. I want to uh, I want to begin this morning by just saying uh, how thankful I am to Kyle and Jasper and Alan for their trust to allow me to get up this morning and preach uh, to stand before you. It is not uh, it's not an easy thing for church leadership to let someone just anyone stand before them and stand before their people. So uh, I appreciate that this morning, Kyle and Jasper and Alan. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate uh, you for being here this morning. Uh, before we get into the message, I will say if you want to begin turning to the book of Psalm chapter 91, that's where our text is going to be from this morning. Uh, as you do that, I'm going to pray uh, once again over our time in the Word. Father God, I praise You. I magnify You. Father, I thank You for the awesome privilege that we have to come and to gather, to assemble ourselves, Father, in Your house. Father, I pray that, Lord, You, you would be with us today. Let Your Word resound in this place. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you will guide my words, guide my directions. I pray that you will uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. And Father, I pray above all, let your name be glorified. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. This morning I want to endeavor to preach, teach, however it comes out this morning. Uh, a message entitled Great Expectations. Great Expectations. Uh, I'd like to try to show you through Scripture uh, what we can claim as our own. That, uh, you know, God, Kyle kind of uh, set it up. Uh, I want to take you through Psalm 91 to tell you the benefits that we have as a child of God, the benefits that we have of being in His, in His presence, and then the great expectations of how God uh, brings those to us. Uh, when we believe in Christ Jesus and the atoning work that He did for us by laying down His life so that we could be set free from sin, and death, we are adopted into God's family as God's sons and daughters, according to Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And this was accomplished, you look back a few verses in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. As we draw close to God by walking according to the Spirit, God draws us close to Him by raising us up to dwell with His Son Jesus, 
in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 2.6. It says that we are raised up together with Him and sat with Jesus in heavenly places. And it is in this close fellowship with God through His Holy Spirit that we are slowly changed into God's image from day to day. It is because of the Trinitarian nature of God and only because of the Trinitarian nature of God that we have access to the intimate fellowship with Father God. It was read earlier, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, one of my favorite verses. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This verse not only describes to us that there is a Trinity, it relates to us how each member of the Trinity relates to you and I. We have the love of, love of Father God, we have the grace of Jesus, and we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We, we have that with us. And it is because of this, uh, is because of this intimacy that we can have through the Father that I want to point your attention this morning. For true peace and safety can only be found in abiding in God. Let's, let's look into our scripture this morning. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 16. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You shall tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It says there in verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. This word dwells means to remain or to be set or to make one's abode. Pastor Kyle taught a few weeks ago on abiding in Christ and how that we can do nothing apart from Him. And when we abide, we make our abode in the shelter or the shade or in the protection 
of the Most High. It says that the Most High is a place where rulers dwell. And it comes from the root word that means to ascend. So, when you look at verse 1 in that context, he who ascends to where the rulers dwell and makes his abode there will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When, as we walk according to the Spirit, the Spirit will lead us into the shelter of the Most High. We will ascend as, as it is spoken of in Ephesians 2.6, where rulers dwell, or as Ephesians puts it, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it's because of this elevated position with Christ. The Bible talks about this over and over, that we are in Christ. We are with Christ. Well, when we are with Christ, we are elevated spiritually into a place with him that we we have that that is our uh destination that is our citizenship according to uh, the book of philippians that we just went over in uh home group that that is our that is our citizenship is with christ in christ when we have come to him we are elevated in this position with him we must remain, abide, and make our abode there. And we cannot let things of this earth hinder us from staying there. We can't let... See, in the book of John chapter 10, in verse 10, we see two mission statements. We see the mission statement of Satan and we see the mission statement of Jesus. Says so Satan comes, he says the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I come to give you life, and I've come to give you life abundantly, or life to the full. In Jesus' statement, there's two distinct promises. He's come to give us life, and he's come to give us life to the full. He's come to give us salvation, but above and beyond that, he's come to give us life to the full. As men and women, as believers in Christ Jesus, the sad fact is that we can be saved on our way to heaven and still live pitiful, miserable lives. It's up to us whether or not we stay in a place of safety and protection with Christ. It's, it's up to us whether or not we're following after the Spirit. Book of Rome, uh, Romans chapter 8 that we just read from earlier says that those that think upon the things of the flesh is going to follow the things of the flesh, but those that think upon the things of the Spirit, that's what they're going to be following after. So as we, won't, when we esteem to abide in God's presence, we have to ask ourselves how much of our daily lives is spent following after the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or how much of our life is just spent doing our own thing? If we'd have what I call God, just divine moments of when God wants to use us in some way to, to just to talk to someone, just to smile at someone, and we're so busy with our life that we're not even listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
how many divine opportunities may we have missed in our lifetime? That's something that we have to, we have to ask ourselves. In the book of James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says that each man, each person is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. It's not anyone else's evil desires. It's, it's our own. It's my evil desires that pull me away from where it tries to pull me away from my rightful place in God of safety and protection. That's, that's why it's important for us to stay, to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Amen? And if we do, I want to show you three benefits. Three benefits of us dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Verse 2 says that, I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. So our first benefit is that He is our refuge. He is our, he is our fortress. He is our strong tower. As our refuge, God offers us shelter from the storms of life. As our refuge, God is described as my fortress. So we need to make this personal. God is our fortress. Psalm 61 verses 2-4 through four says, From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Let, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Proverbs 18.10 10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. See, God was a refuge to Noah when He instructed him to build the ark. God was a refuge to Elijah during the drought by using unclean ravens to bring him food. God was a refuge to Daniel when he was in amongst the lions. God was a refuge with the, to the disciples when He said, Peace be still. And He calmed the wind and the waves. And we, can, we can see many other times through Scripture where God was a refuge. And God will be a refuge to you and I as well if we allow Him to. If we dwell. If we remain in the shelter of the Most High. Amen? God is your refuge. He is your strong tower. And I encourage you to run into Him. Run after Father God. Because He is our refuge, He brings us protection. Verses, verse 3 here says, For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. The word fowler here is the word trapper. Someone that sets out a trap to catch prey. And the word Pestilence here uh, has the sense of wanting to destroy. So the trapper sets a trap wanting to destroy his prey. Well, that's what the enemy wants to do to you and I. He wants to snare us. That's going back to James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, that each one of us is drawn away and enticed. That's what the devil wants. He tries to entice us to get us away so that he can... He can then try to attack us. But when we're in God's refuge, He offers that protection. Amen? 
He offers that protection. When, when Satan presented himself before God in the book of Job, and God asked him this question, have you considered Job? When I was young, growing up in church, I was always taught that when God said that to Job, that God was offering Job up to Satan to be manhandled by, by Satan. And when you look at, look at the Scripture and look at this Word, that's not what happened. When God asked him, have you considered Job? That word considered there means wanting to bring such a charge against someone that you desire to utterly destroy that person. So that's what God asked Satan. Have you considered Job? Are you wanting to bring such a charge against him that you want to destroy him? And, it, and that word literally means to just ground into powder, just utterly destroy. And the, the answer was yes. Satan was wanting to destroy Job. But ultimately, what, what did God do? God protected Job. He didn't protect him from being attacked, but he, had, he protected him from being destroyed. God never, God never promised us that as a man or a woman, a child of God, that we would never have hardships. You read throughout the whole Bible, but especially if you want to, in the terms of grace, look at the New Testament, and uh, it's, it's in there. Amen? So, so when God protected Job uh, like He protected the children of Israel, then... I got sidetracked. Here we go. Okay, so he wanted to utterly destroy Job, so the answer was yes. God protected Job, not from being attacked, but by being destroyed by Satan. So when we run to God and He is our refuge, He is also our protection. The third benefit is that He's also our safety. Look down in verse 10. It says, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. In, in this verse, uh, it, this phrase, no evil will be allowed to befall you, also very closely resembles the word considered used in God's interaction with Satan in the book of Job. And God promised not to let any evil approach you that would ultimately destroy you. Your tent is your house. Your tent is your location. Your tent is your life. God said that He would, he would bring safety to you and not let something come near you that will ultimately destroy you. The sad fact is that sin causes sickness, causes despair, and it causes death. We live in a world that is broken. And our, our, our plea, our desire is just to be with God. Amen? Father God will not allow any evil 
to come before you that will ultimately destroy you. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 when King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah were being invaded by different ites, the Midianites and the Jebusites, not the Jebusites, the Midianites and Mount Sire, and that they were outnumbered. And God spoke to them and said, this battle is not yours. This battle is mine. He said, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The next day, they got up and they let out the army to go fight. But it said ahead of the army, they put people to praise and to sing to God. And as they began to praise, as they began to sing, it says that God set and set uh, ambushments against these armies and it actually caused confusion and they ended up killing each other. So when the nation of, uh, of Judah got to the cliff of Ziz, it says in the Bible, and they looked out over the valley, all they saw was dead bodies. And they went down and they collected the spoils from the dead, dead, dead uh, army and it took them three days to bring all the spoils back to their camp simply because they believed God, they put their faith in Him, and God brought protection and God brought safety. And He'll do the same for you and I. So, how does God do this? I want to direct your attention now to, to the last three verses here in Psalm. Verses 14, 15, and 16. We see a transition here from a human author speaking to a human audience now to a heavenly author speaking to the human audience beginning in verse 14 we see that it is father god speaking to us he says because he holds fast to me in love or we could insert because i hold fast to god in love God gives us six I will statements that are our great expectations this morning. He says, one, I will deliver him. I will protect him. I will answer when he calls. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These are some great expectations that you and I have in Christ. It makes you want to sing, all I need is Jesus. Because when you look at this list, it is that these six I will statements are just, it's mind-blowing. I will deliver Him. I will protect Him. I will answer when He calls. I will be with Him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Doesn't matter what we, what we encounter in life, doesn't matter what we face. God says, I will be with you. I will deliver you. I will protect you. I will answer when, I, when you call. I'll rescue you. With long life, I'll satisfy you. I will be with you in trouble. Doesn't matter what we go through, doesn't matter what we encounter, if we call Christ our Savior, He is with us. Amen? 
He's with us no matter what we go through, no matter what we encounter, no matter what hardships we, we have to endure. Amen? But I want to also want to point your attention how each one of these testifies that just because we live in Christ doesn't mean that we don't encounter hardships. Number one, I will deliver him speaks that there is something that God must deliver you from. I will protect him. Again, there's something he has to protect you from. I will answer when he calls. And this could be good times or bad. But the next one, I will be with him in trouble. That says it all. I will be with him in trouble. That there will come times of trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. He'll rescue us because we're going through something. Amen? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because why? Because he remains in me. Amen? So we have to ask ourselves, where are these great expectations when, good, when bad things happen to God's people? We have to ask ourselves. This, these are some great expectations that God will... These six I will statements. So where is God? What's going on when bad things happen to God's people? Where is God when it seems that everyone and everything is out to get you? Where is God when nothing makes sense? Where is God when everything is falling apart? I want to answer that question with two stories this morning. The first story can be found in one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Habakkuk. I'm going to read the first four verses of this book. It says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. You see, Habakkuk had great expectations of how and when God should move on behalf of Israel. And those great expectations were not met. Amen? He was... Habakkuk's expectations fueled the outcry we just read. He says, how long, God, will you not hear? How long, God, will you not save? How long, God, will you... And this, this is a strong one. How, how long, God, will you idly sit and watch? and do nothing. Habakkuk was hurt. He felt he was angry, he was hurt, he was disappointed, he was jaded, and he felt abandoned by the God that he served. <laughs> makes, makes you think the statement, I know I've said it, God, I'm your child, why is this happening to me? 
And this is where Habakkuk was at. So I'm your prophet, we're your people. And said, basically, he, he accuses God of making bad decisions and not following through on what he promised Israel. And I know I've been there. The simple truth is life is not fair. Because of sin, life is not fair. We, we think it should be, but it's not. God is just, but life is not fair. Jesus said in Matthew 5.45 that it rains on the just and the unjust. And that's from Jesus' own mouth. It rains on the just and the unjust. The story of Habakkuk ends with God ultimately blessing Israel. And he did it how? By turning all things for their good. Just like he would do for you and I. Amen? The second story is a little more personal. See, a few years ago, my family and I found ourselves in Habakkuk's shoes. We felt abandoned by a church family that we had served for over a decade in various capacities. What followed was two years of struggle to keep a ministry alive. In early 2008, our church overseer called me and he said, we're going to try something different. And I told him over the phone, I said, I really feel like it's time to take our hands off of it. And I, my exact words to him were, if it dies, it dies. And it died. So the next question for my wife and I were, was, okay, where do we go now? Uh, it wasn't a question of if, it was where. So as we began to look for a new church to attend. I looked in the new life and went to the website and looked at their articles of faith and uh, listened to some of Kyle's messages. Uh, it really seemed like a biblical teaching church. In the meantime, while we were trying to decide what we were going to do, we were we were traveling over an hour to go to a church where we, basically it was a church where my wife and I grew up until we kind of made a decision to kind of see where God was going to direct us. Then on February 12th, 2018, our world changed and it will never be the same. That morning, our only seven days after our 16-year-old son turned 16, he came home from a friend's house sick with the flu. Uh, the doctor immediately put him on Tamiflu that same day. The next afternoon on February 13th, we took Nick to the emergency room because he was having severe chest pain and trouble breathing. After only about 30 minutes in the ER, 
uh, he was transferred to Children's Hospital in Little Rock and admitted to their PICU. Some, sometime mid, late, mid to late morning the next day, Nick was put on uh, what they call ECMO, which is basically a life support system where his body just wasn't uh, oxygenating. He ended up with not just flu, but two types of pneumonia. And one of them were, was MRSA pneumonia. It was just uh, destroying his lungs. So they would have to take blood out of his body, go into the ECMO, oxygenate it, and put it back into his body. In a 19-day span, Nick comes home sick. He's hospitalized. Our church overseer calls us and tells us that the church building that we had uh, had our church location at sold. And then at 6.30 Friday morning, March 2nd, 2018, Nick passed away after emergency surgery to stop internal bleeding that was unsuccessful. What came next for us was a lot what Habakkuk felt, was nothingness, numbness, bitterness, resentment, and the questions, what now? I don't understand. Why did Nick have to die, God? We came home, had the funeral. A few weeks went by and we didn't, we didn't do nothing. We didn't go to church, we didn't go do nothing. And, we, made, we talked and we said, okay, where do we go now? It still wasn't a question of do we go? It was where do we go because we better do it now or we might not do it. So we said, what about new life? We'd already checked into it. But, and, and as most of you know, that the church that we attended was in this very location. And this building means, you know, it's not anything about the building. That's not why we're here today. We're here because we were, we were led here. So we checked in the new life again, and I knew that the building had sold because our overseer had called us. And uh, so... It turns out our very first service here was the very first service that y'all ever had in this building. And we've been here ever since. And we really felt like it is, it was, we know it was God's will that he was leading us here. When, while Nick was in the hospital, we were inundated by friend requests on Facebook, people praying for us, people wanting we were putting updates, and after we came here, we, we realized that a huge chunk of those friend requests came from people that call this home. We found out after we got here that people in this church was already praying for us. While we were in the hospital, we didn't even know you. Through, through our home group, which my wife and I were both testify that it our home group saved us. It really did. They, they cried with us. They laughed with us. They mourned with us. Uh, 
But I always go back to a question that I was asked by our church overseer. He said, we were talking about trying to keep a ministry alive, and he said, why do you, why do you want to keep, why do you want to do that? And I, my, my response without any hesitation was, I want to see a healthy, vibrant church at this location. Well, today I look around and I, what did I see? I see a healthy, vibrant church in this location. Did it happen like I thought it would? No, but it happened. Amen? It happened. You see, when God's faithfulness and our perseverance meet, see, it's easy for people when they go, in, go into hardships just to quit. But when we persevere, and God's faithfulness and our perseverance collide, something dynamic happens. And that is the answer to the question, where is God when our lives are falling apart? And the answer is, He's where He's always been. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the Holy One, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. When we persevere and push and struggle and never give up following after God, he raises us up to the high and holy place. It is here that God's faithfulness and our perseverance collide as God revives us and reminds us that He will deliver us. He will protect us. He will answer when we call. He will be with us in trouble. He will rescue and honor us. And He will, with long life, satisfy us and show us His salvation. And that is our great expectation this morning. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to we're going to close. I want to close with two other scriptures this morning. The first one is found in Romans chapter number eight. Romans eight, verses 38, 39. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Book of Hebrews, it says that after Jesus did His work of atoning, He sat down at the right hand of God. He did His eternal work. He said, even said it on the cross, it is finished. He's taking care of us. He's taking care of sin, past, present, and future. And Paul writes here, I'm sure, I'm confident that nothing, nothing, even death, even struggle, even hardships can separate us from His love. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. Great is His faithfulness, therefore we can hope in Him. Amen? I want to pray. Father, I praise You, I magnify You, I worship You. Father, I thank You for Your love. Jesus, I thank You for Your grace. Holy Spirit, I thank You for Your fellowship. God, I thank You that we have some great expectations in You, that You will you will be with us. You will protect us. You will rescue us, Father. Father, You will be with us in trouble. You will answer when we call, Father. And You will satisfy us, Father, with Your salvation. Father, I praise You. I magnify You. I ask today, Holy Spirit, if there is anyone in this house that may, may be going through a struggle and they may have asked You, Father. They may have even sensed, God, why is this happening to me? Father, I just ask, allow Your Holy Spirit to comfort them this morning. Father, just help us to see Father, in your presence, in your presence, Father, we have a refuge, we have protection, and we have safety. Father, I just give you honor and glory and praise. Amen and amen. Let's stand and worship with the, with the worship team this morning.